What they don't understand is that it's almost like having been sold old orange juice. The um, analogy of squeezing fresh oranges and the juice of that fresh orange is put into a bottle and when people look for a fresh orange juice, they can see the parameters and they know what the taste profile is compared to a cordial. They know what the what the price difference will be between that product and a cordial. And they'll know that they'll choose that product and pay for that product because a fresh orange juice is a lot healthier than an orange flavored juice. Welcome to the Reinvent Health Podcast. We are all motivated by meaning, which is why the Reinvent Podcast aims to bring you a wide range of information, focusing on all aspects of physical, mental, and spiritual well-being, so that you can make the changes towards a more meaningful, healthier, and happier life. And now, your host, Nikki Robertson. I'm absolutely fanatical about the quality of foods we choose to eat. And in many ways, this is one of the first rules of healthy eating. And olive oil is no exception. Unfortunately, most people do not understand why it is so important to be really fussy about the olive oil they choose to buy or even what to look for in a good quality product. Recently, I met with Brenda Wilkinson in beautiful French Hook in the Western Cape. We spent some time chatting about her olive farm, Rio Lago, and what you as the consumer need to look for when purchasing a great olive oil. Good quality virgin olive oil is high in protective polyphenols, otherwise known as antioxidants. It's known to be protective against heart disease, dyslipidemia, and dementia. I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to shop around, ask questions, and look for certification when you are spending money on olive oil. All of the notes and links we spoke about in the show are in the show notes. Enjoy. Let's let's kick off with how you got into becoming an olive grower and somebody who's passionate about what you do. So in um, Nick and I, in 1990, we went to live in Malawi. And in about 97, he started to study olive. He was involved in agriculture. He was involved with um, all kinds of agricultural products in the Central Africa region. And in 97, he started to study olives and olive growing just as sort of a, a hobby. And then in 2010, we came back to South Africa from living as an expat in Central Africa. And this farm happened to be for sale. And the reason that the owners were selling it was that his wife didn't enjoy that side of the mountain because she was really from Cape Town. So it was a, an established farm with a beautiful brand. Rio Lago actually means wide river. And we on the Breda River. That's why, and his name was Raposa, is Raposa, and he, that is fox in English. And so the little fox is our label. So we came into it sort of seeing the production and being absolutely fascinated by it. There are 18,000 trees on this estate and there are some vineyards as well. The yes. vineyards, the grapes the vineyards are sold as a co-op. So we don't have anything to do with the grapes except to produce for this co-op. And then Nick um, went into the shed. We, we, we went in 2010, he went into the shed and we watched him do this production. It was fascinating for us because it is literally 
squeezing these these berries and having the, the juice of that fruit mm-hmm. um, oil. Nothing is added, nothing is taken away. And the smell in that processing shed during the harvest time is just unbelievable. Yes. So I stood in this um, processing shed and we were like blown away by the, the sheer joy of this product. And we thought, well, it would be a lovely project to take on. So in August of that year, Nick had finally produced the, the, the final olive, olive production for that year. And he blended together the different cultivars. So if you understand olive oil, it's very, very similar to winemaking that you pick this fresh product, this berry, Mm -hmm. you take it through a processing, which is literally crushing the entire product, skin and pip, and you put it through a malaxa, which is almost, I say, like a KitchenAid. And then the final process is separating the paste from the oil that is produced by this kneading and mixing. And then the um, filtration of that to take away little bits because the consumer likes an oil not to have fresh bits in it. Sure. And um, so the process is really quite simple. And we have four different cultivars of olive grown on the estate. We have Lucino, we have Frantoia, we have Coratina, and we have a Favalosa, which is specific to South Africa, called FS17. And they all have a different taste profile. So if yes. you think of a, of a grape, you have a Merlot or you have a... A Shannon, so and they have a different profile when in bottle. So the same happens with an olive with olive production, with olive oil production. And Nick blended these different flavor profiles together, and we took it to an award ceremony um, held by the SA Olive Association in 2010, and we got a double gold award. And what that did was nothing for the consumer, but it was very, very important for us as producers to know that we had produced one of the most outstanding oils in the country for that year. Yes. And it gave Nick sort of a pat on the back, good job. And he then became much more passionate about doing that again. So we then took it on a little bit more seriously and we um, got an Italian designer to design a top high-end um production facility specifically for us on our estate designed for these Italian style olives. So we have Italian style cultivars that were brought into the country um, um, years ago by a gentleman called Giulio Bertrand. And he developed a nursery and most of the South African variants come out of these first established nurseries that came out of Italy. So you'll have many olive oils where Italian style is very much part of the forefront of the taste profile. And the Greek style olive is made from a different um, cultivar of olive. And so the taste profile will be different as well. And generally speaking, we have a more of Italian style profiles in South Africa. And um, so we put in this beautiful processing shed. And the following year, Nick had these machines humming and we produced this beautiful olive oil and got a double gold award once again. It's no longer given a double gold award, but we have been one of South Africa's top award winners since that first production. And I think that that is important for the producer and for the consumer to understand consistency of quality. So if you're getting 
rewards consistently, then it gives the consumer faith that every year they're going to have a great product, which we are very proud of. So that is, and then what was really interesting, Nikki, is that this beautiful oil was produced. And in November, I said to Nick, you know, why isn't everybody not rushing to the gate and saying, I really want this olive oil. I hear that it's award-winning and it's beautiful. And he said, nobody knows. And so I had been teaching for many, many years and I had done different sort of entrepreneurial ventures during my time in Central Africa. And he asked me to take on the marketing of this of this product, although he never mentioned the word marketing and it was never given as a job description. It was, why don't you go out there and talk to chefs and talk to people and tell them about our, our olive oil? Yes. And so it was called Little Red Riding Hood because I went out with this little basket and my olive oil and I'd go from restaurant to restaurant yes. and chef to chef and talk to them and explain it to them. And yeah. for most of them, it was almost like I was trying to criticize them yeah. because they know about olive oil and my coming in to visit them and telling them was almost like, I'm just trying to show you that you don't know. Oh my goodness. That's ridiculous. So it was a difficult journey. Sure. Yes. It was, yeah. it was interesting for me how little, and I say this with due respect, how little the chefs knew and anybody involved in hospitality actually. Yes. Um, and going to retailers even more so. How little she knew about uh, quality products, what is entailed in the production of a good olive oil, and in fact, of any olive oil. Mm. So there was a journey. I started off doing that. And one of the restaurant owners turned around, um, Carl, and he said to me, Brenda, you need a distributor. You cannot take this on on your own. And then he introduced me to a top distributor in Johannesburg. They took on a role where they distributed on my behalf, believing in the product. Yes. And that was was also a completely new journey for us because we'd never been involved with anything like that before. So it was all by default, all by um, just a passion, I think, to get it out there and to to share it with people because what was the point of producing this fabulous product and having it in tanks on our farm for no one to enjoy? So that was where it all started. I think all great products start in the backyard and they start small and, you know, everything starts in the garage and it starts with passion. So well done for, for having the perseverance to, to compete, you know. I mean, it's, it's really difficult out there when you've got competing brands and you've got big brands that, frankly, dilute their products. And um, the consumer, what I find in this country, because... We are not a Mediterranean country. We're not people who've been bought up quality olive oil, for example. People don't know the difference between a good product and a bad product. And yes, we can see the label, I mean, a stamp or an award on a bottle, but let's get into how the consumer can recognize whether or not the product they are consuming is what it says. Um, You know, if it's very often we find in restaurants that olive oil is really just diluted with canola oil and it's not stated on the label. Uh, it's not stated on the menu. And this is a problem because there are massive health benefits to be gleaned from pure, good quality olive oil and definitely not from canola oil or, or products that have been blended or even left out, uh, exposed to UV light and have become rancid. So let's let's 
What are the tips that you would tell somebody who really wants to know how to buy a quality product? What would you uh, tell them to look out for? So I would love to be a private shopper, you know, and take people by the hand and actually go through those oils on shelf and actually explain just how difficult it is to choose a product that is um, easily available now on shelf in a retail store. So the problem with us that we face is that there are over 76 really, really good producers in South Africa. And the problem with these wonderful people is they have got fabulous facilities. They've got a program where they are attending to every tree in that, in that grove. And they have got most of them trying to be less, um, to be more biodynamic than ever. They create this amazing um, olive oil. But these are farmers and producers and they just stop at the gate because they don't know how to take it to market. And the retailers and those involved in hospitality have been, um, spoiled is the wrong word here, but have been given the option of an olive oil, which is stated with two words on it saying olive oil, mm-hmm. which is what people are looking for as opposed to a sunflower or mm-hmm. a canola, any other oil. Mm-hmm. For them, they are believing what they see on a label. What they don't understand is that it's almost like having being sold old orange juice. The um, analogy of squeezing fresh oranges and the juice of that fresh orange is put into a bottle. And when people look for a fresh orange juice, they can see the parameters and they know what the taste profile is compared to a cordial they know what the, what the price difference will be between that product and a cordial. And they'll know that they'll choose that product and pay for that product because a fresh orange juice is a lot healthier than an orange flavored juice. Exactly. Do you, do you know that from, from what I'm trying to show you? Yes, that's a, a great analogy. I, I've never thought of it that way. It's really, because we think that olive oil is something that's a shelf stable. Just out of interest, what is the shelf life of a, of a, of a fresh olive oil? So this is really important, Nikki. Um, we get from the International Olive Council, which is held in Europe, two years from date of picking that olive. Now, very, very, very seldom will you find a date of harvest on any imported olive oil. Yes, that's right. So what we have from the SA Olive Association, which is an incredible program and which really has not had enough clout in the in the industry, is that we have a sticker which is put onto every South African olive oil, which clearly states the year of harvest with this sticker on, have also gone through a chemical analysis that it is an extra virgin olive oil. Now, an extra virgin olive oil is tested for free fatty acids. And they should, those free fatty acids should be below 0.8%. And um, that would give you the parameters of, of stating that this was an extra virgin olive oil, no doubt. It's right. very easy to test it. And then the other thing is that they go through a taste test through a panel of eight to nine um, tasters. They, they are qualified tasters. They've been put through a program where they know what a, a good oil should taste, a, um, 
taste like as opposed to a rancid or defective oil. Right. So you can produce a fabulous olive oil. You can make a beautiful orange juice and put it into a dirty bottle, which would change the profile of it and make it make it a, a defective olive oil or a defective mm-hmm. juice. Yeah. You can also leave that orange juice in the sun or that olive oil in the sun, and it can become defective due to that. So there's many parameters that once this olive oil has been produced, needs to be continued in the supply chain into the into the consumer's kitchen right. before it can be considered valuable to you for your health. Yes. And, and that is something we need to, to understand. They producers and they're big producers. And this is true for almost all markets. Um, and it comes down yes. to cost and distribution and how much can we get out there at the lowest possible cost to, to the wholesaler. Um, so let's chat about storage of olive oil. And this is something that, I mean, if you can get your hands on, which you can, and, and we'll, we'll put links at the end of the show where you can get the Rio Lago olive oil from, is how do you store it and use it when you get home? What do you do? It's not something you just put on the windowsill in a glass bottle and hope for the best. Okay, so generally the two rules, or there's actually three rules, no air, no light, and no heat. So you would put it into, you would keep the container closed, you would have it in a dark container, and you would not put it in the sun or near a sunny open window. Yes. This makes me, takes me back to restaurants Mm. who don't understand that they're putting a fresh orange juice onto the table in the sun in an open bottle. It's not going to be flavorsome for very long. Yes. And normally put them in clear bottles or pretty bottles Mm -hmm. and they put the table sitting outside, beautiful in the sun all day long. And they're hoping that it's going to make the salad that's cost 80, 70 to 80 rand taste any better. So that's a tragedy for us. And for them, it's like a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll find a restaurant will buy a really beautiful olive oil. They mm-hmm. really will be encouraged to buy that. But the way they then put it onto the table and how they add olive oil into a beautiful decanter. So you've got old oil at the bottom of the decanter and they pour this beautiful, fresh, fabulous olive oil into that. So you can imagine pouring good milk into old milk at the bottom of a jug. It's going to taint that entire decanter. Yes. For them, it's it's about it's about money, I suppose. Sure. If if they, I mean, I would use the bottom of that decanter, that leftover oil, Mm. in your cooking process in the kitchen, and make sure that it's only refilled when that decanter is right at the end. Sure. But about being pretty and if they don't understand it that's what happens to it Mm. but you've solved that problem because your containers are absolutely beautiful um they're airtight they are can you explain for i mean it's it's quite the most remarkable way of of solving those problems the, the the innovative way that you've come up with um being able to to store olive oil good olive oil yes so many years ago um I was a consumer that had bought olive oil in a 500 ml bottle and um, I stored it next to my stove and I only used it for very, very special occasions. But once we were on the olive estate, clearly I was only using extra virgin olive oil for everything. 
And suddenly I was using it more and more and embracing it on so many more products than I would ever have embraced any olive oil before. And 500 mils is literally two cups. It doesn't go far when you embrace the product. Yes. So I went down to my husband in the shed and I said, you know what, I keep having to come and refill. And remember, we had thousands of liters in tanks. It was very simple for me. But I tried to think of my consumer. How is my consumer going to have to keep going back to a store, choosing amongst all those oils, another one like it? So we discussed it and we're not mad about the tin. It's very personal because the lid is always a little mucky. It always has a little bit of oil around the top. Yes. And there's often a sediment at the bottom of a tin. So we weren't happy with tins, although we did look at it. And then we looked at bigger bottles. They were cumbersome and we had to think of a consumer where they're cooking and their hands are maybe not clean. They've got oil or something and it's difficult to manage that big bottle. And where do you store it? And I've been to visit this gentleman who does bag and box. And our Italian um, designer who designed Giorgio Mori, he had said to us, you should do bag and box. And I was a little horrified. I was like, yeah. Like box wine. It's like, that isn't that cheap, cheap yes, enough? Yes, it's very like box wine, you know. Yes. And um, so we were like, no, it has a very bad connotation here. But we met up with this company and I said to him, we're going to the Good Food Show in Joburg. I'd love to try a new packaging. Could you do it for me? And he said, we could. And within a week, we had a beautiful design already on a label, was packed off, and we distributed this in Johannesburg. And it was sold out in a couple of hours. It was incredible how people just took the product. Yeah. And, And then we were like, okay, this is fun. And that's really what we thought. This is fun. But we didn't realize the value of this twist tap, which has no air allowing into the olive oil. And a year later, Nikki, we were at another good food show selling the same product in those decanters, but they were a year old. So remember, we get two years from date of harvest. This was still fresh, considered fresh. It had been stored in a tank because we only bottle on order. So it's still good fresh oil. But Nick had come in that morning into Cape Town with freshly, freshly produced oil. So literally, the machines into the car came mm-hmm. to Cape Town. We were sharing this with, with consumers. And Nick, who's a taster, tasted the oil of the decanter out of the decanter a year old and tasted the fresh oil. And he was flabbergasted that the taste of this oil still in that decanter was still fresh. Yes. It was absolutely super. And so then we believed in it. Mm-hmm. And if you believe in something, it's easy for you to share it. And because we started to share it, we started to have fun with the with the labels. Yeah. And then we've got, to, I don't know, there must be 40 labels now, which is far too many, but yeah. we keep having <laughs> And now the consumers are starting to understand the value of keeping a good olive oil, which you've paid good money for. Yeah. If you store it well, and those decanters are a fabulous way to enhance that value that you've just paid lots of money for. Yeah, brilliant. And the difference between a virgin and extra virgin olive oil, um, should you cook with extra virgin olive oil? There is always, you know, rather use it on salads. Does the nutritional benefits break down? What what are the actual facts around that? Okay, so actual facts are 
We have got a beautiful product that we need to sell called Extra Virgin Olive Oil. It's your freshest orange juice. Freshest juice. Juice of which is an oil. Now, when you put it through a machine, you literally put it through your magic. I'm just going to give you an sort of uh, analogy. Yes. Put it through your magic mix or your KitchenAid, and then you have got a product. Now, what happens is this is then stored at optimal temperature. It's produced at optimal temperature and stored in clean tanks. If that oil is in any way stored for too long, stored at higher temperatures, produced at higher temperatures, it's no longer given the status of extra virgin. Right. It's given the status of virgin olive oil. Okay. It's not as good quality um, and hasn't been stored or produced in the same manner. But it's very hard for a consumer to determine that difference unless they look for that sticker from the SA Olive Association, which has done all the work for them, if you understand yes. that. Yeah. There's lots of people that will produce this oil. I've literally seen, Nikki, um, let me try and explain, a whole house of olives that need to be produced in Spain, and they do this in enormous um, production facilities. Yes. So imagine, well, let's just say a whole room full of olives, mm-hmm. and they produce all that olive oil. The olives at the bottom of that pile can never be as fresh as the olives on top of the pile. Of course. So those big producers often produce oil and it's virgin olive oil. It's never really of those quality producers that we have access to in our country. Yes. None of us really big producers. Mm-hmm. So there's always sort of um, artisanal kind of an idea of our producers in South Africa, which we need to embrace. Yes. Anyway, those are the virgin oils. Then you get another oil, which is really an ugly oil, which used to be more predominant on the market. It's not so much anymore. And it's called pumice olive oil. And it used to be probably 150 rand for five liters. Mm -hmm. And what pumice olive oil is, is there is a residue, as in when you squeeze an orange, there's a pulp. Yes. When you when you process an olive, there is a pulp, and it's called pumice. Now, on an estate um, where you have your trees, most of us use that pumice to go back into the ground as a compost. So we use it as the base of the compost, and biodynamically, it's put back into the soil. Right. But many estates, if they're sending their oil off their estate to a mill where somebody else will produce the oil for them, mm-hmm. that becomes a problem. Yes. It's a waste product. So the big producers will actually take that pumice, put it through the machinery again, and they use a product called hexane to extract that tiny extra bit of oil, which is what they're going to make their money from. Okay. It's called pumice olive oil. Mm. But what the chemical is that they use in that process is called hexane. Mm. This is a little interest. Hexane is also used in dry cleaning to extract the stains from your clothing. Yes, it's not unlike acetone. And I know they use it to extract seed oils as well, which it's horrific for your for your health. It's, you know, no one's ever done, done studies on how bad that is for you, but there have been wonderful studies done on how good the extra virgin olive oil is. Yes, and there's... 
plenty of, of, yeah. of um, you know, I mean, what I recommend with um, my clients who have got, especially familial history of heart disease, is to consume up to a quarter cup a day of extra virgin olive oil. And we see those numbers decline. We see the inflammation go. We see the LDL numbers come down. Um, all sorts of amazing things happen when we consume that extra virgin, high polyphenol, um, very clean olive oil. And I'm, I'm absolutely passionate about it. So I really want people to understand that they're buying medicine when they buy good quality olive yes. oil, not just a culinary experience, but this is insurance for your, for your heart and your brain. Really important. So, so I love that you've, that you've discovered that. Now, there have been studies done. Um, I'm part of Women in Olive Oil, which is a, a group of women across the globe. And fascinating studies that come through this group um, that, that show that they've done some studies on, on chimpanzees on the, 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 the role of olive oil in their diets. And this one study that came out recently was like there was no change in the, in the health of these chimpanzees. And every one of us stated, I can assure you that they had not used an extra virgin olive oil and and what I find really shocking is that people say, oh, no, they don't like the taste of olive oil. But then you're not really tasting olive oil, are you? You're tasting something that's most likely rancid. Anything that's imported has probably been sitting in the heat on a boat um, for at least six months on the ocean, getting its, making its way over here. Plus you are um, subsidizing its its fare and import duties. So, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we have a you know, not an, a massive a production in South Africa, but it's more of a specialist, high quality boutique kind of, I think you mentioned it, artisan um, production of a really, really world-class product. And it's something I think we should all be thinking more carefully about supporting. You know, if, if we could keep thinking like that, then these wonderful producers would produce it with so much more joy because they would know that the minute it hits that tank, it's going to be sold. So yes. I can tell you there are tanks full of great olive oil from the 2020 harvest mm -hmm. that still haven't been sold. And yet the retailer's shelves are fly, it's flying off the shelves, all those imported products. Not yeah. to say, I have to state, and I have to state this clearly, that not all imported oils are bad. Not all imported oils are rancid. Mm -hmm. But start with, with our local producers and make their job so much easier because, as I say, they're not retailers, they're not marketers, they're just doing a job behind the scenes. Yes. And I think that so many products, we don't understand that the person that's giving us a, a fresh, um, free-range chicken mm. is maybe good at what they do in the field, but not good at taking it to market. And we need to help them in that. And I, and I appreciate, Nikki, so mm. much that you allowing us to voice this and to say, let's take a step back and think about that not everybody can, can get it to market um, in the same way as these big producers with huge money behind them. Sure. And that's that's the, the way the world is going. We're moving away from, I hope anyway, and it's definitely the message I like to get out there is and start asking questions, start looking um, 
locally and start you know, going directly to the farms. And this is what you know, companies like like Jackson's are very passionate about as well, is, yes. is talking to the farmer and get, you know understanding how um, food is made and being more responsible for what we feed our families and what we put on our plates. And that's how we're going to change our health. It's not through dieting. It's about making more strategic choices about the quality of food that we decide to eat. And it doesn't have to be more expensive. I think, you know, getting sick is expensive. We've, we've all realized that in the last year. Um, but spending just a little bit more on a good quality oil and a little bit less on, on sugar, um, sugar products is, you know, you're going to spend the same amount of money at the end of the day, but your, your benefit is going to be that much better. I think what you're saying is eat real food. Exactly. And, and food is probably more expensive in the beginning but as you say, there's a lot less um, pharmaceutical visits or doctor's visits. Sure. People really turn that around. They will go, oh, my word, why was I not thinking this way? Because nobody questions their pharmacy bill, ever. Yes. No, and that's... that's and, and that for me is always a shock that they, you know, when I expected, I need to pay that for a tablet or for an injection and for whatever, yeah. a visit to a doctor. But olive oil, no, Brenda, it's too expensive. <laughs> Yeah, and I, it's it's a value system, and it's you know it's it's our value system. It's where we what we think or perception of where we should be spending our money, and that has to change if we're going to solve the obesity crisis and if we're going to um, you know avoid dementia. Keep people healthy. Keep people healthy. But the, we'll talk a bit later about the the extent of the you know the health benefits of olive oil has been have been known for centuries. Um, the Mediterranean diet is is famous for. Um, you know, people who who live in those regions who consume um, reasonable quantities of olive oil are known to be people who suffer le the least from heart disease, the least from dementia. And only now they're really re realizing, or, or the, the sort of scientists are really being able to pull apart what really goes on in olives. And they can't; it can't be patented because it's a it's a force of nature. The polyphenols or the antioxidants that are, are present in olives. You, know, you get it in olive oil. You can't put that in a tablet. You can't own it or patent it, which is why it's not out there. It's not mainstream knowledge uh, because it can't be monetized <laughs> in the way that a tablet can be monetized. But um, the protective benefits of, of olive oil are, if more people understood, and hopefully, yeah, like you say, getting the message out and having these conversations, the more we can encourage people to, to go out there and do their homework, the better. So, so I was talking to a, a retail chain. Um, they were very kind. They were really very, very kind to me and allowed me to interview each buyer from each region that were that had the category of olive oil. And without one exception, not one, not one of those buyers had ever tasted the olive oils on shelf. No. Not one of them had done their research on where these olive oils had come from or what really was in that bottle. And one of them had, he got really, um, he slid his chair right across the, the room in the Zoom meeting. He was on video and he was really angry with me because I said to him, but that oil that you're selling at that price has no value to our consumer. He slid his chair Nikki, across the table and said, what do you mean that olive oil has no value? Let me tell you, we are selling thousands of bottles a week of that oil 
And that is where, listen, my commission comes from. My targets are met uh-huh. through the sales of that particular hour. Uh-huh. That says it all. And it says it all. Yeah. And, and can I tell you how many bottles of good olive oil, I'm not even going to mention our brand, but our oil, 20 bottles a week. Does that not bring tears to your eye? That That is what's happening to our consumer is that the retailer yeah. is punting those cheap oils because that, that buyer will have a trip to Greece at the end of the year and you will be ending up at the doctor and he won't even worry about it. And you're going to think this that you're doing yourself a favor. Change has to come. Yes, changes to come, yeah. and it has to come from the consumer. We've got to demand better, and you can only all we can do is vote with our money. Is just not buy um, anything else. Uh, so yes, if hopefully the word gets out through as many channels as possible, and we keep we keep educating the consumer who's who's tired of being you know misled by by big retailers. And this is yeah, this is the way the world is world is going. Thankfully, we appreciate stores like. Jacksons that yeah. really do their homework on our, on the production of each product, and they do understand that this is a role that they have to play in giving that consumer the hand to to that knowledge. Yes. So we need more um, stores like that that will give us confidence as consumers to walk in and know that each product we put in that basket mm-hmm. has a value. Yes. So aside from Jackson's, um, which is generally just available in Joburg, where else can people who are listening to this podcast get hold of your products? I would like to say that um, we are in um, certain retailers, but basically online, if they went onto our site. And yeah, so Rio Lago, um, Rio as in um, river and Lago, large, large river, riolago.co.za. Okay. And you obviously would export as well. So if anybody, we've got a very large growing European and American audience. So anybody can order and you can, you're able to export. We are, we export in about 12 countries now. Okay. Um, Growing as, you know, each country, we think that in South Africa, we're the only ones facing this, this problem of having bad oils on our shelf. Mm -hmm. And Actually, it's um, worldwide. Yeah. So when people in Germany or Netherlands or America, when they taste our oil, we've got a winner for life. And and oftentimes people say it's delicious and it adds a delicious flavor to their food. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're looking for. So I think one of the things that I haven't mentioned is how do you know a good oil from a bad oil if you if without looking at the label? So one of them is the first thing we do in an olive oil tasting is to actually smell the olive oil. It's a bit late when you've already paid for a bottle of oil and you take it home. But if you smell an olive oil, it should have a fresh smell. So it should smell of maybe fresh grass or a banana or fresh tomato. Any fresh, fresh product smell that you would come as you open that bottle if it smells of a diesel, has a diesel chemical element to it, yeah, just leave it on that shelf or give it back or do something with it. Use it for furniture polish. It's best that way. But um, it's really best not ever in your home. And then the other one is taste it. Now, if you taste it, they're very, very different taste profiles. But they should have a peppery taste. It should have a, you know, an olive is bitter by definition. A fresh olive that you're going to yes. taste um, 
had to take an olive off a tree, it would turn your mouth inside out. Yes. In bitterness. Mm -hmm. So it should have some of that taste profile in your in your in the taste of that oil. And then a lot of us in the industry mediate that because sometimes a very pungent oil can overpower your food profile and and is not a pleasant oil to take daily. Um, But if you are in a country like Japan, the more pungent, the more peppery an olive oil is, the more polyphenols and the better they have taken it on as a medicinal product. So this is what we need to, to, we need to have that taste profile of Mm -hmm. a fresh, Olive taste. Yes. Did, did I make that clear? I'm not quite Perfect. sure. I'm not a good description of taste. Yeah. Oh no, you, you you illustrated it perfectly. So this is this is fantastic, and this is exactly what I, we're hoping to get out there is to, you know, no one thinks to smell the olive oil. No one thinks to taste the, you know, swirl it around your mouth and see how it feels in your mouth. And no one thinks if it's really revolting is to take it back to the shop and go, this is rancid. I want my money back because you will get your money back. And maybe that's the way we're going to start changing things is by going, something's wrong with your product. I can't accept this. I want my money back. Um, yes. yes, we we have a right to do that as consumers. And I don't think South African consumers are fussy enough. I'm very, very fussy. I I take things back at the drop of a hat if they're not up to scratch. So it's, it's just an inconvenience, but I really believe that we should be doing this because otherwise nothing's going to change. Um, Mm. and I think that when I do, when I do tastings markets and, um, people taste the olive oil and they say, Oh no, it's too peppery. And then I have a rancid olive oil behind me that I put into a bowl and I say, taste this thing. Oh, this is my olive oil. And then I realize that they have been, it's oh Pavlov's dog, yeah. that you've had the same flavor profile thrown at you for, for years and you think that that's how olive oil should taste. The other thing that people are always very wary of doing is when I say, why don't you taste the olive oil? It's like, why would I put oil in my mouth? That must be awful. And I sometimes tell them, taste it once, and the, 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 your mind plays such tricks on you. I'm, yeah. I'm tasting oil. It can't be nice. It can't be nice. And then I say, have a second taste. Yes. And then, oh, this is delicious. It's like coffee. The first when sip they of realize. coffee. Yes. So the first yes. sip of wine, yes. the first sip of coffee is always going to like blow your head back Whiskey. a little bit. Whiskey is a perfect yeah. example. And then the second yeah. taste, you're acclimatized and you can really taste the depth of what you 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 are exposing yourself to. Yeah. yeah. So when is your next market? When are you going to be doing, are you going to be doing markets in the Cape? Are you going to be doing them in Joburg? Because I would love to, um, to know and to get the word out there so people can come and experience olive oil for what it should be. You know, we we markets have been quite quiet, obviously, with the COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, not putting ourselves out there as much as we were before. We love doing markets. Um, but there's a few pop-ups that we've done in Cape Town. We haven't done many in Johannesburg. You know, we used to have those amazing shows, the good food shows, those shows where thousands yes. of feet to the door. Yeah. And if you had 1% of those people tasting your oil in that time, you had a good business, yes. you know. So um, I have a really funny story. We went to a, a food show. It was a food show in Europe, in, in Germany, in Cologne, called Anuga. And to give you an idea how big this show is, it's probably the size of 11 rugby fields. And each rugby field is three stories. 
And each little product is given the size of maybe a three by two store. Sure. Okay. A little bit bigger if they're okay. a bigger producer. And one whole rugby field is olive oil. And my husband and I, and this goes back to 2012, a friend encouraged us to come and see all the different products on show. And he walked in and he said, Brenda, would we have done this if we'd known how many other competitors there are in this business? And I said to him, Nick, look how many people have put their feet through the door. I think it was 150,000 um, a day coming oh through the goodness. door into this show. I said, yeah. we only need one of them to buy a liter of olive oil and be done. Yeah. So it, it's there's big competition out there, but there's always a place for us, you know. That's oh, kind of yes. what I want to say. Yes, there's, there's, yeah. there's millions of consumers. But again, it's, it's down to education and, and getting the word yeah. out there. So, Brenda, thank you yeah. so much for your time. I, I love listening to you and t- telling your stories. And uh, it's so engaging and it brings up the most amazing visuals. And I just want to go and find some olive oil now. Uh, so I'm going to post um, in the show notes all of your contact details where people can shop online. Um, and if they've got questions, how they can get in touch with you. So let's hope we can get the word out there one step at a time. That would be fantastic. And thank you, Nikki, for all you're doing for the consumer um, because I think that they need your validity, your, your expertise on, on sharing this knowledge with them. And that takes a lot of time. And I appreciate that you gave us this platform. Pleasure. And if there's anybody that's anywhere near Cape Town, pop in, go and ask if you can see, even if you're not near Rio Lago, go mm-hmm. to one of the producers. There's some lovely producers out there. and Ask them if you can go and see the production and taste those oils and experience a good extra virgin olive oil from our own country. Thank you for joining me. You can reach out via Instagram or check out the links on the episode page. If you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also, please remember to rate, review, and even send a voice note on Apple Podcasts or Anchor. Your feedback is extremely valuable. 